Welcome to Canadian Crime Chicks. This podcast is intended for mature audiences and contains coarse language. This episode features descriptions of mutilation, necrophilia, suicide, murder, and the world's worst school chaperone. If you are not offended or disturbed by any of these topics, you are ready for Canadian Crime Chicks. Hey girl, hey. Hey girl, hey. How are you? Oh, you know, living the dream. How about you? <laughs> living the dream. <laughs> uh, so, yesterday was my kid's birthday. Oh, yay! And I'm 12. And he was very excited. It was a very good day. You know, it was super fun and, and everything. And he got, you know, the usual text messages and blah, 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 blah. And he came home from school. And he's like, I got the best present ever from my friends. And I was thinking, like, what what could it be? Like, that's exciting. And he's like, yeah, they all chipped in their money and bought me a blue slushie. Oh, that's so fucking cute. And I was just like, okay, that's nice. Like, good for you. That's exciting. And he, he like, the way he was going to, like, pumped it up, it sounded like his friends had bought him a Porsche or something. <laughs> I love that. Uh, that's that's so adorable. Yeah, he's he's not a wanty kid. Like there wasn't a lot that he wanted for his birthday. So I was like, you know, whatever. Like it, he's pretty pretty easy to please. So it was fun. But yeah, his friends got him a blue slushie, so he was very excited. <laughs> that's so cute i kind of want a slushy now <laughs> i know i was like i'm gonna go for a slushy later i like slushies <laughs> right <laughs> oh i have to go get a criminal record check so i go chaperone my kids field trip wait what yeah yeah i'm gonna go chaperone my kids field trip with school and they want a criminal record check i've never heard of that before I mean, like chaperoning, I have, but not getting a criminal record check. Yeah, chaperone. Yeah, um, I don't know if you know this, but Carla Homolka, do you know who that is? I have no idea who that she is. She and Paul Bernardo killed her own sister and a bunch of other girls in Ontario in like the late '80s, early '90s. It's called the Scarborough Rapist. Anyways, oh, okay, I've heard of them, Scarborough. Yeah. So she ended up getting a discharge from the whole thing because she flipped on Paul. And she was not, in fact, innocent, but they couldn't do anything about it because the Crown Attorney's Office gave her a deal. And so she got let go and she didn't have to do any real punishment. She didn't have a big punishment like he did. And anyways, she's a really fucking sick individual. And she ended up getting married to her lawyer's brother and having kids. Well, she was chaperoning and volunteering at her kid's school. And, like, it's on her criminal record that she, they made her register as a sex offender. And so her kid's school would have known that she is a registered sex offender and allowed her to volunteer because they didn't do a criminal record check on her. So ever since that happened, my kid's school district implemented any parents who want to volunteer have to pass a criminal record check. And so it's weeded out a bunch of parents because of like certain things like, you know, like DUI is a criminal offense, you know, those sorts of things. But like, it's also safeguarded the kids from being around people who have nefarious backgrounds. Wow. Yep. 
so they safeguard our kids and make us all do it. And I'm fine with that. Like, I'd rather go do this and, you know, take two hours out of my day and go get a criminal record check done than have some fucking monster around my kid. So. No, I'm with you there. Yeah. I don't want weirdos around the kid. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, Well, my name's Amber. And my name's Brittany. Uh, Let's get high and talk about crime. So who are we talking about today? Today we are talking about the murder of Addie Hall. It's also known as the Rampart Street Murders. Um, During Hurricane Katrina, this couple met. They kind of started helping people. They started helping people to clean up, recover. People who were staying behind that had no power, they were helping them get food and, you know, just kind of being all around good people. They decided that they were going to move in together and get an apartment together and start a new life together. They really enjoyed their time together, helping the people of New Orleans post-Katrina, you know, clean up, get back to normal because there was a lot of devastation. There was a lot of devastation post-Katrina about the area like everything had kind of changed but people were really banded together and you know they just fell in love and everyone kind of described them as good people and they reportedly were very happy um you know they seemed to really care about each other they moved into a house um it was an apartment above a voodoo shop on Ramper street together and they both had jobs They were both bartending at different places. They were living their young lives together until one day Addie didn't show up for work. People started to wonder, like, what's going on? Because that was super unlike her, super unlike her history. They were very worried for her. They were very worried for her. And then all of a sudden, on October 17th, the police get a 911 call. It was from the Omni Royal Orleans Hotel. A man's body was found on the roof of the parking garage. They arrived on scene and there was this man. Um, He obviously died on impact. They weren't sure if it was an accident, if he had died by suicide, if it was a murder, and they searched the man's body. Uh, As they searched his body, They found a note in the back pocket of his pants that said, this is not an accident. I had to take my own life to pay for the one that I took. If you send a unit to 826 North Rampart, you will find the dismembered corpse of my girlfriend, Addie, in the oven, on the stove, and in the fridge, along with full documentation on the both of us and a signed confession from myself. That's wild. Yeah, and he signed it with his name, Zach Bowen. So police hauled their asses over there. This little apartment, it was above a business called Voodoo Spiritual Temple. They went in and it was like a fucking horror movie. I've seen pictures of inside the apartment after. Oh my God. Horrible. The apartment was just covered in blood. Yeah. They said, you know, it was it was October. New Orleans is usually really warm, and the air inside the apartment was very cold. They had the air conditioning apparently just blasting 
all over the walls were spray painted different things like I'm a failure. You know, this is all my fault. There was instructions to call Zach's ex-wife because he wanted to tell her he loved her one more time. There was blood everywhere. There was a message on one of the walls directed into the stove. On the stove, there was her head. Another pot had her um, hands and her feet. In the oven, there was legs and arms. Everything was burnt at this point. Appears that there was seasoning on the limbs. And next to everything were cut up vegetables. Wow. They opened the refrigerator. (laughs) (laughs) Can't fucking talk today. In a large plastic That was me yesterday. <laughs> yeah. They opened the refrigerator and in a large plastic bag, they found the torso. They were shocked, understandably so. Everyone was shocked when they heard the news, but people thought that they had been unhappy for a little while. They constantly argued and it seemed to have started when they moved in together that they argued about just a plethora of things, attention she received at work. He was very jealous, but people never predicted that it was going to end this way. He was very handsome. Anyways, like I saw pictures of him, he was a very handsome young man. She was very sweet. She was almost very like free spirited. She would like write poetry and go to dance classes. I watched a show about it and I was like, these two are so fascinating with how they lived through Katrina. Like, I found that part so fascinating. Like, right? I lived for five days one time without power. And I was like, this is bullshit. And they lived like... (laughs) Fuck this shit. Weeks. They did this for weeks and weeks on end. And they just treated it like they were camping and on vacation. And this is fun. And it's like, Jesus. Like, no, thank you. I'm good. I mean... Kind of sounds like a fun experience, but the whole no power thing is a no go for me. Yeah, same. I'm like, I'm good. Like, I'm good. Thank you. When I first read that he started like putting her body parts in pots on the stove and stuff, I'm like, oh, here we go, another Catherine Knightley. <laughs> yeah, it's like, what's with these fucking, what's with all these cannibals? You know, <laughs> literally. <laughs> they were very interesting characters they had a fire in the street they were actually they were actually cooking food on the fire in the street in front of their place yeah yeah and like at the time they were even featured in the new york times because of their love and survivalism people were very interested in their story and once once they had to go back to normal life it seemed like it put a big strain on their relationship like the, the grind was very hard for both of them. They had some issues. Addie had been in other abusive relationships as an adult in the past. There were some people who believed that maybe she had some mental health issues. You know, people who, who knew her well that felt that she suffered from either um, some type of mood disorder or maybe PTSD. She could be a real mean drunk that you know would get drunk and start fights and that can be really hard in a relationship if one of the partners or both the partners are big drinkers and they fight I don't drink because I get mean and I know some people who get very mean when they drink so I I can imagine that that wasn't great and Zach he was former military 
he said he was really, really screwed up from it. Um, yeah, he suffered from from severe PTSD, and she she was actually diagnosed with bipolar disorder. That's crazy. And like, I was reading part of an article that said, you know, when Zach served in the military, he went to Kosovo and he went to Iraq. Iraq was very hard on a lot of people. It was warfare people had never really seen before. And so he made friends with an Iraqi girl and her whole family was killed in a bombing. It really fucked him up. Really fucked him up. There's not a lot of mental health help in the United States for soldiers after they return. It's a well-known fact that lots of soldiers after they return from Iraq develop, you know, personality changes, mood disorders drinking problems, substance abuse problems to deal with the shit that they had to see there. Like the Iraq wars was fucking terrible. So, you know, I feel really bad for him. He, you know, left the military. He was honorably discharged. He tried to move on with his life, but he was really bitter because he didn't qualify for education benefits. And that's why he had signed up. He had signed up to get educated and continue his life and he he couldn't do that after he was discharged the way that he was because of his mental health issues and things they didn't discharge him in the way that he felt was necessary and he didn't qualify for some of the benefits that he would have liked and it turned he turned into a heavy drinker too he started doing cocaine she would get drunk and they'd fight and they'd argue and they'd yell and they'd scream at each other on the day before the murder Addy went to their landlord and said, I want Zach off the lease. I'm throwing him out. He cheated on me. The landlord told her to go home, work it out with your boyfriend, suck it up, princess. You're both on the lease. I'm not removing anybody from the lease without both parties agreeing to it. Get over it. Go home and work it out. So she goes home and the next day she's dead. That's so tragic. And the way he did it too, he strangled her on October 5th of 2006, very calmly, might I add, and <sighs> committed necrophilia. So after he strangled her, he basically fell asleep next to her corpse on the futon and had sex with her dead body. Yeah. Uh, the next day, he actually, he got up for work. His co-workers remember him acting very, very weird. He was wearing sunglasses and a hat, and he was just very quiet. And over the next several days, Zach ended up cutting up Addie's body in the in the bathtub with a hacksaw and a knife and dispersed the pieces of her corpse on top of the stove for cooking as well as inside the oven and in the fridge. He actually gave her, her a haircut, placed her head inside of a pot on the front stove burner, placed her feet and hands inside another pot on the back burner of the stove, her legs and arms in a roasting pan inside the oven and then finally her her torso was in a black plastic bag in the fridge to uh to be dealt with later um apparently his intentions were were to separate the bone from the flesh um as a means to more easily dispose of the body but other people thought that um there was intentions of cannibalism but the autopsy reports actually confirmed that there were no signs of it whatsoever apparently it took him four days to decide what to do with the body and then he just kind of went about life as normal for two whole ass weeks before he died. He talked about going on a vacation. He said in his letter, whatever you want to call it, letter, 
confession, I suppose. He said that he wanted to spend his last days on Earth indulging in good food, good drugs, and good strippers. You fucking piece of shit. You know, like, go, let's go out with a bang. Uh, like, that's just like living in the apartment with her body. Her, 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 her body for two weeks. It's It's such a mess, you know. When they found his body, one of the things that was noted, aside from this note in his pocket, is that his body was covered in cigarette burns. And in his confession, he said, you know, I burned myself with a cigarette once for every year that I had been a failure. And there was one for every year that he was alive. Oh, that's sad. He said that he scared himself. He said that it was really scary to him how calm he could have been when he strangled the woman he's loved for almost two years. And he said, I don't, I didn't feel remorse at the time. I've known for years that I'm horrible and I'm capable of bad things, but I didn't know I could go this far. That's so sad. Mm-hmm. I truly believe that if he was able to get the help that he, he needed, that this never would have happened. Yeah. Yeah, I I think so too. It really pissed me off that he was so unwell and this happened. Like she knew shit wasn't good. He knew shit wasn't good, but neither one of them got help for it. They ended up like this. And I'm not blaming her, like by no means, but like she knew that he was unstable and that there were some issues, but But they were both heavy drinkers, both did drugs, like once those two lifestyles clash together, like you don't want to leave it because you're having so much fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I've been in shitty relationships and bad situations and like, you know, certain things would happen and I'm like, fuck, I need to get out. And I'd get my ass out of there. And, you know, one time I, I almost did it too late and I I'm lucky I'm not dead to be honest. And it's, it's easier said than done to leave. It's very, much easier said than done to leave a relationship like this. And I think that she deeply did love him, you know, and he did love her at one point, but like, he's a fucking monster. You know, there was no two ways about it. There's something wrong with him and he was a monster. Oh, a hundred percent. He was a hundred percent. He was. Yeah. The aftermath of this was, you know, Addie's family didn't really see justice. You took your girlfriend's life and then you take your own without having to face the consequences of it, without having to live with it, without being in prison, without, you know, any of it. And that really pissed me off. Yeah, agreed. Once everything was kind of said and done and and the apartment was cleaned out and the police released the crime scene, a woman named Mary Milan, they called the voodoo queen, she leased the building and set up a shop called Bloody Mary Haunted Museum and Tour. And people, for a fee, could go view the apartment with the exact stove and fridge where everything was found. The apartment was apparently decorated with fake blood and had, like, a bride and groom set of Chucky dolls. A lot of people said it was very exploitive. It was horrible. What happened, I can't believe some random woman is decorating it like an 80s slasher film and making money off of this you know she defended her tours and said it would be dumb to pretend people weren't here 
And people who bad at me are just jealous they didn't have this idea first. Like she's just like profiting off a gruesome murder. Yeah, exactly. But eventually it did get shut down. But ever since was shut down, people have been really fascinated with the building and say that there's some supernatural events and there's some things going on there that are otherworldly and and people have a lot of thoughts on it. There's, you know, a true crime experience that you can do when you're in New Orleans. That's like a walk that you can go on and you can see different sites of different crimes and they'll take you through different neighborhoods where you can see different things. Apparently it's very popular. Apparently it's very respectful and they didn't overplay anything. They talked about it. It's hard for people to wrap their heads around. It's really scary. And like New Orleans itself as a city has a lot of you know, supernatural qualities and people believe in the voodoo and the mystery of New Orleans to go there for that experience. So that could be part of what's playing into the story too. I'm not really sure, but it's very unnerving what happened and it's very scary what happened and nobody should have to go through that or die like that because somebody else is really ill and, you know, doesn't get help. Agreed. Like it's, I was just blown away when I started reading this. And looking into it yeah me too me too I thought it was really weird and I saw the pictures of the house too and and it really freaked me out like I was just like I don't know and and seeing pictures of them together Zach wasn't like a scary looking guy he wasn't a weird looking dude he wasn't there was nothing visually wrong with neither her either like she was a pretty lady she looked very normal like they were very both unassuming in the way that they lived post Katrina you know, helping people and just kind of hanging out and living life. They just seem so average. And then this happens. And it just goes to show you that this kind of shit can happen to anybody. Oh, yeah. Anybody. It's just so crazy to me how quick somebody can change with the flick of a flip of a flip of a switch. (laughs) Yeah, it, it really is. And like, you know, some people think that it was voodoo or some people think that it was a demon and some people think, you know, all these supernatural things happened in order to make this happen. But really, I think it was just one really mentally ill person and another person, you know, getting in a relationship together and it being a perfect storm of bad shit happening. And she finally decided to leave and he couldn't handle that. So that's really what I think happened and probably very close to somewhat of the truth of the situation and his notes mean nothing to me like I read his suicide notes and it's like who gives a shit you know you're a coward and you're probably lying anyway so it doesn't really matter you took a life when you should have just taken your own if that's you know how you felt or maybe gotten away from people and and not gotten in a relationship if you knew that you were dangerous you say in your note that you were aware that you were dangerous so if you know that you're dangerous, get some fucking help. Agreed. Like, and that goes for anybody. Like, if you're like down or something and you feel like you can't talk to family or something, like there are services out there to help. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. There are lots of things, lots of people to help you. You know, if you feel like you are going to hurt somebody or you think that you're violent or you think you need help, go get some help. There's lots of help out there, you know, lots of different resources, whether they're paid or free, you know, there's lots of different resources out in the world for you. So, you know, just get some fucking help instead of murdering and cutting up your girlfriend. Exactly. Uh, 
anyways, that is the story of the murder of Addie Hall. Thank you for listening to Canadian Crime Chicks. Follow at Can Crime Chicks on Twitter to vote on polls. Follow at Canadian Crime Chicks on Instagram to hear about future episodes. If you have a crime you want to hear about, or a crime you want to talk about, email CanadianCrimeChicks at gmail.com. Spread the word about Canadian Crime Chicks. Rate and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Music is Anxiety by Kai Engel. Produced by David Johnson. New episodes every Saturday.